Welcome to Straight Talk Wealth Radio, heard across America and on the internet, with your experts in all aspects of retirement planning, wealth preservation, and income, guaranteed to last a lifetime. Now your host, Bruce Whitehead. Hey, welcome to the uh, welcome to the podcast version. Aversion. You might have an aversion, an aversion by the time you hear this on Straight Talk Wealth Radio. We are actually heard all over AM radio across the country. And what we are doing today is we are launching the special podcast version of this show. And the reason I've been dying to do a podcast version of this show is I want to be frank with you. When we are on AM radio, We've got a clock ticking, we're paying for time, and we can only disturb people. We sound educational, you know, everybody thinks we're an educational show, we're giving them great data. We're disturbing people and we're making them call. That's what we're really doing. And we never Hello? get the time. I go into the studio and I got an outline that is, you know, it's it's two hours of material that I really want to talk about everything. And then by the time the clock ticks down, all we've done is mention a couple headlines and get people to call. This is our opportunity on the podcast to delve into issues at length and in detail and to stop worrying about the fact that everybody has to call because we're paying for the time. We've got to build up the ranks and get everybody over to the website and tell people what we're doing. So today... Uh, I'm going to go over Euro debt, and we're going to talk about uh, a number of topics, actually. And we're going to be so extemporaneous on this that we're going to be invisible. You're actually going to know that Chuck and I are making this up as we go. But we do have an outline, and if I go to the outline, we're going to go over uh, who we are. We're going to talk about who we're talking to, what do we talk about, what are we trying to tell them, uh, what are we going to feature in the future on Straight Talk Wealth Radio. And today's topic is Euro debt. I'm going to break it down. I'm going to talk about what it means. Give give you some really good insights that Euro Europe really shot themselves in the foot years ago, a decade ago, as they were putting this all together. And I'm going to give you some great uh, information from Harry S. Dent and help you understand why this European debt crisis is so sticky and will remain sticky. And then we're going to talk about the three big hurdles they're going to have to get through in this world before the global economy really begins to expand again. I'm going to tell you about those three big hurdles and we're going to tell you what you can do about it, what you should personally be doing about it. Thank you so much. And the cool part is I'm going to be able to stop worrying about the clock running down. So Frank, Oh, Bruce. Well, you said you wanted to be frank. But... I also said we wanted to be invisible. I meant we wanted to be transparent. transparent. That's all good. Well, hey, Bruce, you know, I think there's a big world of difference between people who listen on AM radio and those who surf the Internet. And you have such a, a big library, a wealth of knowledge on the Internet. over At its, the website. At the website. Yeah, yeah that's www.straighttalkwealth.com. www.straighttalkwealth.com. Now, you can listen to some of the past AM radio shows on it. But more than that, I mean, we've got a whole video section that goes into where the economy is headed, the national debt and deficit. Um, there's some other portions I don't have right in front of me. We have a huge interview. We did an hour sitting down with Harry S. Dent. And you know what's really great is that we, you know, I'm lucky enough to have this radio show. We have a base of advisors across the country that help people with their personal planning situations based on what we talk about on this show. Because 
What I'm trying to do on the show is look at the global picture, the big picture, really look around our world today and base financial planning on what's happening, not on the traditional method. And I know I'm getting off course, so help me get back on when I'm done with this. I will, Bruce. But not just the traditional method of, you know, like, you know, fill out this risk uh, questionnaire. We'll score you on a scale of, of one to 20 and then we'll make a pie chart and the pie chart over history has been your best diversification for people in your risk category i say bull because all of that is based on history it's based on what happened in the 80s and the 90s and 2000s i would tell you that the next decade ahead is not going to be history it's going to make history it's not going to be part of what we saw in the past it's going to be a new future and I believe you got to base financial planning on what is you look around and don't just rely on pie charts that uh, the mutual fund companies want us to use on our clients. Well, and so back to the website, Bruce. You have a wealth, well, thank you. wealth, a library of information. There's 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 articles, there's videos. Uh, obviously, you can get the podcast. Subscribe the, to the, the article. Inflate. Just okay. Here's a fact. Here's a a point in case of what uh, I'm talking about. We have a great article on there that I wrote called Inflation or Deflation, America's Monetary System in Crisis. And we are due for that. And the report is and how to plan for it. Because the issue of whether we're going to have hyperinflation or deflation is key. And people that bet on the wrong part of that are going to be big losers. If they if they bet heavily on inflation, we have deflation, you're going to get killed and vice versa. So I really found it was necessary with my clientele to look at this issue, not to just put them in another pie chart, but say, you know what, uh, we may have some historical inflation or deflation, and it could go either way, and the, none of the authorities agree on it, so I'm going to have to come up with a strategy for you that will keep you safe either way. It's in that report. The report's on the website. And again, that's uh, straighttalkwealth.com. That's right. right. And Bruce, at the end of this podcast, you're going to have something special for anybody listening as well. Uh, that's right. I have a really good free offer we're going to do. Um, it's it's uh, quite a value. It's actually about $1,500 of financial planning services that will be for free and uh, a way for you to get all of these reports, the printed versions of the reports. We have a DVD that we're also putting out called... Um, it's got two videos on it. One is Historic Rates of Return, Wall Street's Dirty Little Lie. And on that, I contrast trying to eke out an average rate of return from the ups and downs of the stock market versus simple compounding of low rates of interest and which one actually gets you ahead further. And then there's another video on that on a very special service that we provide called the Retirement Roadmap. And the Retirement Roadmap is not just, okay, it's an investment plan, we want to make you a bunch of money, but it actually looks at what is going to be the result. It is a result-oriented plan that we do for no charge and no obligation that not just says how are we going to invest your money, this or that, but what are you going to have when you're 65? What's the check going to look like that's going to come to you every month? What size check, what size check at 70, 75? And it's based on guarantees. That is something that is very, very different about what we do. All of our planning techniques are based on what we can guarantee, not what the markets are going to deliver. And that's why I'm looking so heavily out around and I'm thinking the markets aren't going to deliver anything for the next 10 years. They're going to look like only the last 10 years, which is up and down and ultimately going nowhere. So our viewpoint in our office is we're pulling out of speculation 
and of uncertainty altogether, and we're looking for ways we can put absolutely certain growth together, even if it's now it's not bank growth, it's not 0.2%, it's rates of 6 to 8% guaranteed, and if we compound that, we can guarantee that someone's asset base will double every 10 years. That means quadruple in 20, and that gets you a lot further ahead than almost any buy-and-hold investor has been doing for the last 10 years. As long as my ass doesn't double. <laughs> I can say that because it's a podcast. Right? There you go, man. All right. Have, knock yourself out, Chuck. All right, Bruce. So before we go on, just tell our audience who's listening right now, who who are the Straight Talk Wealth Advisors? Okay. So let's talk about who I am because the Straight Talk Wealth Advisor Network has been built off of the basic philosophy that I built my practice in in Southern California. So I came into the financial service business in the 90s and uh, you know, I worked in the nonprofit sector for many, many years. There's a story on the website about I had a son that was born in the mid-80s at one and a half pounds. He's a beautiful kid. I love him dearly. He's 26 years old. He is uh, mentally about the level of a three-year-old right now, and it forced me to come out of the nonprofit. I don't mind being poor and broke the rest of my life sector into looking at how to try to uh, build up two retirements now, mine and his, in a very late in life beginning. So that, that got me into this field. But the point is, when I came into the field, this it was the 90s. You could literally throw a dart at a dartboard full of mutual funds, and wherever it landed was going to make money. It was very much the all ships rise with the tide momentum in the market. But um, after it crashed, uh, that definitely did some soul searching. And I could probably tell you, that tech bubble probably washed out 40% of the advisors that thought they were advisors that wound up being fry cooks later or whatever. And no denigration of them. It was a tough time. Kind of sounds like real estate agents and mortgage brokers these days, huh? Yeah. You know, yeah. cause that's your background. Yeah. We'll talk, I want to talk about you in a minute too, but the bottom line is, is that, um, I, I built this niche in a, in a, in a business we called tax free benefit specialists. And the idea was that we had these ways of building, these corporate plans for owners, officers, and key executives, successful corporations, where we go to the boss and say, hey, you know, we have a way to put aside maybe an extra $100,000 a year away into your retirement plan with some special incentives. <clears throat> and they were all interested in that. And that was our niche. So we got going. We found mid-sized businesses that, you know, hadn't been prior approached on this type of stuff. And we'd build these kind of plans. But what was interesting is a couple years into, I get clients, they have a couple hundred thousand dollars in the account. And I had my securities license. <clears throat> Excuse me. Can we edit that out on a podcast? Should we leave it there? Yeah, let's leave it there. All right. But anyway, the point is that they, I would go to them and say, hey, boss, you know, rubbing my hands together. We got some money here. Let's do some work. Let's put this away and buy some funds and buy some stocks and do some investing. And these guys, and these are successful entrepreneurs that making a half a million dollars a year. And they'd slap me on the hand and say, Bruce, you don't just get away, back off. You don't even understand what I put this there for. I'm surprised that you solicited me on this and you don't understand my strategy for it. And it really threw me for a loop. But one on one, what they started to tell me was, Bruce, I make a half a million dollars a year. Fine. I've got investments left and right. But what I don't have as a successful entrepreneur is I don't have what the school teacher has. I don't have what the cop on the beat has. I don't have what the, the clerk working down at the DMV if he works there long enough has. 
which is I don't what, actually. Which is the ability to go home at five o'clock at, at night, right? That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but but I also don't have a pension. See these guys, the teacher. Now listen, state pensions, national pensions, they're in deep deep trouble. But the idea for the worker was you don't have to think about your investments. If you work here long enough and you finish at age 65 with this many years of service and this much average income that you were making, you're going to get a check for whatever the formula was, 75% of your prior salary, 95, whatever, 195%. That's the uh, city of Bell mayor uh, got busted. I think it was like 195% or whatever he used to make. But the point is, although they do have to worry about them because those aren't sound, in terms of what the promise was, the promise was, You're just going to have a check. So the entrepreneur said to me, Bruce, this isn't an investment. It's not another investment for me. I want to create something that I know if I put X amount of money in, you guarantee me what check I'm going to get out of it. And the way I'm going to use it is one day I will be looking in the mirror. I'll be 65 or 70. And if my investments worked out really, really well and I'm super wealthy on it, I won't regret that I also created a little pension and I'll either pay my bills with the pension and live big and large on my investments. Maybe when your pension check comes, I'll light my cigar with that pension check. But if things don't work out and my investments don't work, I need to know that my standard of living is preserved with a monthly check coming in to pay the bills. That's what they wanted me to do. And so it shifted me away from this whole focus of investments, investments, and all this stuff at risk. And all I had to do at that point was just go, well, where's the highest guarantees I can go get my client? And what I discovered is most people operate in this zone of, well, first of all, they they say, well, nothing's guaranteed. They're kind of so... <laughs> They're so phased. They're so jaded by what's out. Nothing's guaranteed. Well, come on. If you go to the bank and they say they're going to give you 0.2% on your CD, they have to. you expect that they'll yeah, do. Yeah. So to that level, there is a guarantee. So the question is, is anybody out there guaranteeing something more substantial than a half a percent? And the answer is yes, but it's in the pension field. It is the fields that pre- historically have given pensions to workers that do that, and that's where we go for our strategies. And that's the focus of Straight Talk Wealth. Now, should I go off into savings versus investing? I, not, I, not yet, Bruce. Not yet, but I think okay, that's a valid I point. i got a very important point to make about savings and investing. We're going to let you listen to more show, and I'll make that point a make little later. Point. But you just made a very valid point where you know the, the typical uh, guy selling investments on the street, your typical financial advisor at your bank or, or the, corner, the corner store who's got a shop, is all about investing. And I mean, look at all these, what all these people went through losing 60, 70, some of them 80% of their retirement a year before they were going to retire just in the last, what, you know, three years since the, 2008. The crime in America, as Wall Street has so convinced everybody that they must be at 100% risk of their future. And they are banking their entire future well being on events that they cannot control, nor can they predict them. And, and, and there's some solace and somehow, I guess, we'll all go down the drain together. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, and I'm not saying crazy stuff like gold is crazy. Gold's a very important part of a plan, I would admit. But there are people that are just 100% into gold because they're doomsdayers. And, and that's cool, but that's also not what we do. We are building 
pension concepts with guaranteed companies, and I'm talking about companies that during the Great Depression, when 31% of the wealth of the country vaporized overnight and 10,000 banks failed, these companies continued to deliver these pension checks to their people because they were not based on investment portfolios that were connected to stocks or crazy stuff. Now, do your gold on top of that. Do whatever else well, you Bruce, want. Well, Bruce, that's the point. You're not telling people to stop investing. No. You're not We're just trying to say, stop investing everything you've got. Yeah, that's a smarter way to do it. Okay, Bruce. So, so uh, who who are we talking to here? Who's the show directed to? Well, let me let me tell you about that. And you know what? By the way, the, this show you may be listening to it on iTunes. Uh, you may be listening off the website. Uh, you may uh, be. Um, we have a great YouTube channel. Go to the YouTube channel. You might be All listening that, to your friend's iPod in their car right now. Yeah, you but, you can access the uh, the podcast. You can access YouTube. You can access our blog. You can access um, so much of what we do by going first to the website at www.straighttalkwealth.com. But if you go to iTunes and you and you that's maybe where you're hearing this. Maybe if you're not, you should get over to iTunes and subscribe. Straight Talk Wealth Radio is a broad. It's we're first of all we're broadcast on AM radio weekly, but that's the fast version that we would never have this kind of a conversation on. It's it's hot and fast, and we're just trying to get people to call. This show was born out of the crisis of two thousand eight, and it was my mission to fill a massive void in most Americans' retirement portfolio, and this safety net would have literally saved. Our listeners and the people we service from any grief in the crash of 08 to 09, but it would have let them pick right back up on the historic gains when they when the market turned around and started to grow again. And today, I I'm telling you, even though you know um, I think people are less complacent than they were just a year ago when it looked like the government made it all better. Most of America seems to believe that the government has made everything all better. And that investment risk is still, we're not going to see 2008 come back. And, you know, uh, the Fed is always going to fix things and make it okay. Well, the fact is that you don't have to give up growth to get safety, too. And the difference is that it almost seems like only these wealthy guys, only my guys that make a half a million, a million a year, are smart enough to say, I still worry about the investments. I want something else. And we are filling that void in people's portfolios. And we do it with a real special service called the Retirement Roadmap. Uh, you're going to be able to get a free retirement roadmap. At the end of the show, I'm going to tell you how to get that. Um, we'll have a number to give out. We'll have a way for you to go to the website and get it. Uh, that Retirement Roadmap is $1,500 of financial planning services. But it literally would have saved your bacon in 08 and 09. And it is the answer of how you can actually design your own type of pension concept. So Bruce, if only these guys making a half million a year seem to be smart enough to be uh, you know, saving this way, investing this way, creating these pensions. Who who are you really talking to today? Who who needs to be listening to this and and who that is listening now, who who do they need to share this podcast with? Well, share it on Facebook and Twitter. But Isn't who, that what Bruce? we all do these days? <laughs> <laughs> Tweet me, baby. No, look, here's the thing. Here's who we're talking to. I have to admit, it is mostly a phenomenon of the baby boomers. But I would say this is early boomers, like 70-year-olds, which are now early boomers because, you know, the first boomers are 65. So a little bit pre-boomers if you're 70, maybe up to 75, and down to Gen Xers. People that are starting, that are either in the middle of thinking seriously about what kind of retirement they're having or will have, or people that are starting to now think about, you know, what 
what they will have. So it mainly focuses on the baby boom generation. All right, Bruce. So what do we talk about on the show? What are we talking about? What I'm trying to talk about is the big picture. And, and, and you guys, if you listen routinely, you're going to love what we give you on the big picture. We're going to help you break down why this economy, why this decade and the last decade have been so in the dregs. Very knowable reasons. You know, if I may, again, this is extemporaneous. I get to just tell stories, Chuck. You know, I made a killing on the housing boom because I saw the crash coming. It, these things are knowable, and there are authors and, and people out there telling people what's going to happen if they'll listen. In 2003, John R. Talbot, a former Goldman Sachs analyst, visiting scholar at UCLA, a pen pal of mine by email, um, although he uh, he doesn't like to pal it with too many people I know, but it's a long That's another story. story. Yeah, he's, he's, he's very OSW or OWS. He's, I'm searching for... That's for, Occupy Wall Street. Oh, got it. No, got he's it. a great guy. I, I love him to death. And his insights are incredible, and he writes really concise. In 2003, he wrote the book called The Coming Crash in the Housing Market. And I'm telling you, what was that, four years before the crash? I, I Bruce, I remember we were talking about it on the show years ago. And, he nailed uh, it. Yeah, it was he, right on. He totally nailed it. Okay? So... Uh, what was my point about it? All right. So anyway, these things are knowable. I, I bring that up a lot of times because everybody says, well, who saw the housing crash coming? No one predicted that. That happened to all Crazy of us. Fool. No, it didn't. There were definitely people that predicted and, it. And he was just one. I mean, yeah, that he was, was one just of one seven. source. Yeah. So now we look at demographics. Demographics. Harry Dent predicted some of what we're seeing today 20, 30 years ago based on demographic studies. So we're going to help you understand the big picture because I'm telling you, once you get this bird's eye view and you start to understand why these things are unraveling, they seem less random and the world starts to come back into order and make a little more sense. And what's really cool is by the end of this decade, there will be a shimmering light. There will be new growth. We are in the winter of the global economy, but by the end of this decade, there'll be spring, there'll be new growth. But we have to get through some dead leaves falling. We have to get the death that we're going to feel in this decade will lead to new growth. And I'm going to help you understand where that's going to be so you can stay as far away from it as you can and also know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, Bruce, I, I think it's important for the listeners to understand that these these aren't just predictions pulled out of a hat and they're just making guesses. I mean, this, this is based on valid uh, economic growth, uh, birth rates, retirement hey, we, rates. I mean, it's all all the data is there to make these predictions. Yeah, we're going to help you understand that. And you know what? Go to our website and dialogue with us. Dialogue with us on YouTube if you disagree or you don't understand what we're saying, go to the website, leave comments on our blogs and stuff, uh, and we'll dialogue with you. I answer almost everything that comes in, as long as it's a legitimate comment. Otherwise, I just post it and I let it hang there. <laughs> just let it hang there. <laughs> hey, you, you rich people ought to just die or something. You know, I've got a few of those on the website. And, and believe me, I'm not, I don't know who they're talking to because I'm not one of those mega wealthy guys either. Okay? Uh, all right, Bruce. So what do you want to do? I was in the nonprofit <laughs> sector until I was like 45. I was helping people get off drugs and uh, get literate and uh, 
Yeah, that'll, and, uh, make, that'll make I'm you a, rich. I'm a working Joe like most of the listeners to this show. I just am really, really, really fortunate that I've been able to become a, a working Joe who can devote my time to researching what working Joes should do and talking to major global economists. Uh, so we've got, by the way, Harry Dent. We're going to be. We have a great relationship with Charles Nenner. He was a former market analyst for Goldman Sachs. Uh, he's had major predictions come true, and Goldman Sachs pays him the big bucks to now be their consultant. They consult billion-dollar hedge funds. They're really great guys. We have a lot of fun with them. We're going to be interviewing uh, Charles uh, because of our access. Uh, I am going to nail one of these days another interview. I once interviewed John Talbot in 2009. Uh, he's not easy to get an interview with, but I am going to somehow or other, John, if you're listening, I'm coming after you, baby. We're going to get another interview with you. You have important things to say, John, and I want to get it out there. All right, Bruce. So, so what are you trying to tell everybody today? I'm just trying to basically tell them that the 80s and 90s aren't coming back. Okay? I mean, it's done. This decade of the baby there's a there's two major baby boomer awakenings that are going to happen in this decade chuck the first one is that the 80s and 90s aren't coming back and if you're sitting there just waiting for all of this chaos to but the, kinda, mu- the music no, was really good bruce the music the music was good in the 80s and 90s. i wanted to come so back. much better dude you are too young i wanted to come back okay that's good no it's all good i like the 90s too Give me a little, give me a little Nirvana and Foo Fighters. Yeah, that's good, great, great stuff. <laughs> but that's not what you mean, Bruce. That's not what you mean. No, we're talking Britney Spears now. Okay, All right. <laughs> no, forget that. Oops, you did it again. Two thousand. Yeah, oops, I did it again. All right, will you clean it up, please? All right. So anyway, the point is. Oh, by the way, we have fun on this show. We do. We have a good time. Okay, I refuse to be an arrogant financial economist show, even though we like to hobnob with those guys. Watch my interview with Harry Dent. I had a lot of people saying, uh, "Your socks are showing," and a lot of comments. We had fun on the Harry Denton. They did edit out the part where he picked his nose, but you know, he does that often. No, but we had a fly. Right? Now, you want to watch the video because right at the beginning, we did have a fly that was buzzing us. We were in Newport Beach, and he and I were both swatting at this fly while the cameras are going. I'm like, I can't stop the cameras because I don't know if that fly is coming back or not. So let's just keep rolling. Anyway, you'll have fun seeing that. All right, so the 80s but and 90s oh, aren't coming back. They're the awakenings of the baby boomer. Yeah. So the first awakening is <clears throat> that you're not going to get major growth in the last decade before your retirement. Now, that that is a huge thing to understand and to get your arms around. You know, the baby boomers have suffered a bad 10 years. They're now all within 10 years of retirement, and they're waiting for that final run, and they're hoping and praying that somehow it's going to come back. It's not going to. And if you make a mistake this decade, and you're waiting for the market to bless your retirement plan, and it doesn't, That's it. No more time to make up that mistake. You have no margin of error left when you have 10 years to go before retirement. So you need to change the way you're looking at this from one of risk to certainty. Now, again, I'm talking in proportions. Some people that know risk can play risk that go in the. See, here's another way of looking at it, Chuck. It used to be said we were all this was drilled into our heads. Tell all your clients this. I've heard it forever. The stock market is your best long-term investment. It beats real estate, and if you just sit in it for the long term, it always does better than anywhere else. Okay, well, 12 years have gone by, and you haven't made money in the market. You have a backboard on the S&P, I think. Oh, it's we talked about on the show. There's a great – you want to see a good factoid, go to the website on the solutions page – straighttalkwealth.com solutions, watch the historic rates of return Wall Street's dirty little lie, 
and um, that has some good factoids. But the basic thing is we're, we're 12 years down the road and the S&P hasn't grown and the, I don't think the Dow's ahead. Maybe it's a little ahead. But, you know, overall, we've had about no growth. So what makes a long-term investor anymore? Oh, well, 12 years, you you fool. 12 years isn't long-term investing. You needed to give it 20. Well, what happens if we get another 10 years down the road and it we have, it looks like the last 10 years? Well, and what if, what if you don't have that much time? Yeah, well, well, I guess I'm just an idiot to not realize that you need 30 years to be a long-term investor. Bruce, so, just, just live a couple extra years so you can make up for it. <laughs> I sure hope so, man. Anyway, so that's what I... That is what I um, want people to understand, the boomers to understand, is that you've got to change your strategy from this blind faith in the market to starting to diversify to areas that you can just get certain growth, promised, guaranteed growth, and supplement your plan with those type of elements. Now, the second thing that's going to happen to boomers, because you asked the question, you know, what are we trying to tell them? We're trying to tell them the second aspect of a baby boomer awakening is that... Um, you're going to move from a period in your life of accumulation, which has very simple math, to one of distribution. The math of accumulation goes like this. Oh, this year I made positive 5%. Oh, this year I made positive 10 Oh, the next year I made negative 4 Oh, the next year I made positive 6 It's just addition and subtraction of percentages. But here's the math that happens when you retire. Okay, I now have X amount size portfolio. That's where I landed. Well, how much is Social Security going to give me? Not enough. So I need Y amount of money every month coming in in order to sustain my lifestyle. Really? Well, can that portfolio deliver it? Well, it could if I took... mm, a 4% drawdown or 5% drawdown. Okay, why don't you do that? But I have a question for you. How much is it going to grow back against that drawdown every year? Because what I want to know is how long is the portfolio going to last? Well, I don't know how many years I'm going to live. Well, I'll tell you what. Here's the thing. Here's $150,000 to to live on. That's your retirement. You need 50000 years. You just make sure you're dead in three years. Or if you need 30000 years, make sure you're dead in <laughs> five. five yeah. See, we don't know how long we're going to live, so we don't know how long we're going to have that money. So here's this other algebraic type equation, or equation that comes into it. And then the question is, what are the markets going to do? What, are you, what is your plan to readjust your lifestyle? How fast will you sell the house and move to a trailer park if your portfolio drops by 25%? So all of these things blend in, and that is what the boomers are going to get smacked with that they're not ready for. Now, the retirement roadmap that I'm going to tell you about at the end of this program completely does that calculation for you and helps you think and internalize and get in your gut what your actual outcome of retirement goals should be based on the type of retirement you want to live, what inflation rate we're going to dial in that we expect to see, what you know, how, how big is the portfolio got to get to. All of those algebraic, logarithmic, uh, trigonomic equations are used in our software, and we actually give that service to give you a clear picture of how you could retire, whether you can early, whether you can late. For no charge and no obligation. We'll talk about that service at the right, end. Cool. So, Bruce, let's talk. You said today was going to be about Euro debt. Why don't you tell us about Euro debt? All right. Um, so what I want to do is let's just go into today's topic. And I want to actually cover um, a great, by the way, and maybe you have to be a nerd to appreciate it. 
But I love the work of Harry S. Dent. Now, I realize that I'm a nerd and I can sit here and read Harry Dent's 22-page bulletin of uh, charts and graphs every month. And I literally drool over it. I mean, I, I love the reading. And my wife is just like, leave it in the bathroom. I don't want it around the house. This is, this is like Bruce has, you know, they're down at Disneyland and he's in line reading this stuff, jumping up and down all excited. Hey. People are going like, you haven't even been on the ride yet. Dude. Hey, you, you kids got to read here about the Santa Claus rally. There's some great stimulus going on from the Fed. Hey, Mickey, Mickey, come here. You think that's, they ought to do another QE3, Mickey? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm like. Except my kids are all grown. We don't go to Disneyland anymore. Anyway. Because well, you don't need a Bruce, you got you got these twenty two page reports. Yeah, and listen, I'm I'm actually going to go into him, and I want to play a couple clips from Harry Dent real quick and let him tell the story. But here's what's who he is and what's unique about him. So Harry was basically working um, as a uh, a market, not a stock market analyst. He was actually working to help marketing for um, Bain and Company. He was working at Bain and Company, and he studied demographics, and he started to find out that there were direct although offset by 40-some-odd years, correlations between demographic trends of birth rate and immigration that was equivalent to what you would see in the economy. And once upon a time, when the stock market reflected the trend of the economy, thereby the stock market. Now, in recent years, the stock market reflects less and less of the economy because it's been so manipulated by government. It's manipulated by high-speed traders. So, you know... To some degree, ultimately, the economy will rule the stock market. And and one thing that Harry talks about a lot, a lot right now is the, the, the government is just trying to inject cocaine, crack cocaine, into the stock markets. And the more the government tries to cover up the hole that is part of this economy by just printing more money, the stock market seems to love it and makes everybody, makes the wealthy feel wealthy again because their stocks are up, even though the dead economy belies the fact that things are not what they seem on Wall Street. And I think Clapton predicted that, didn't he? What, what, and what, Eric Clapton. Yeah, about the cocaine? Yeah. I think, he, I think he had it nailed. That's a real stretch. That's, that's a real, real stretch. Okay. That's a real yeah. stretch. Okay. <laughs> Uh, anyway, okay, I don't know where you're going with that, buddy. But anyway, the point is that um, uh, he, so in the early days during the George Bush, the first recession, he, when things are very, very dark, Harry Dent comes out and says, you know, I've been looking at the demographics. We're, the 90s are going to be incredible. We're going to have a great decade in the 90s. And everybody said, you're crazy, man. It's so bleak right now. And didn't you read his lips and all of that? And then we had a great decade. Now, through all of this, he said that around 2008, 2010 or so, the wheels come off of all of this. And what he says the basic engine is, is the baby boom generation. That it is the fact that you have, I mean, let's put it this way. If I was to walk in and tell you we've got 83 million people of 300 million in this country that, in fact, are going to buy their first homes. They're getting out of college. They're going to buy their first homes. They're going to have babies. Once they have these kids, they're going to be consuming like mad. They're going to need jet skis, and they're going to need DVD players, and they're going to need uh, schools, and they're going to need carav- Dodge Caravans. And we're all going to sell them this crap, and I'm going to loan them money into it, and I'm going to find every way to leverage into that, whether it's as an investor or a lender. I'm going to get a piece of that boom. Great. If I were to tell you that was to occur and prove to you that was occurring today, would we be worried? Maybe not. 
But the problem is we are the exact opposite end of that cycle. We now have that many people in that demographic that is going into less and less spending. And, and, and so everything that it leveraged into that, plus a whole lot of perverted and criminal leverage into that boom, it did cause a boom. The baby boomers caused an economic boom sheer, by their sheer demand of consumption. And what that makes it look like is that the world is never going to change. It's always going to grow. So every normal investment element, as well as criminal investment element, leverages into that until one day that starts to slow down. And when deleveraging begins to occur, we find out where the ethical leverage was. We find out where the unethical leverage is. And people get hurt. And people think that they own a piece of debt. Pension funds own worldwide debt. You know, people bought the U.S. mortgage market, mortgage-backed securities all over the country and causes. And, 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 the, and what's really interesting about the, the home boom that we had uh, a few years ago up until recently, we should have been dying down on home prices. There was less demand on the home market. But what happened is they lowered interest rates. They broke down the walls between what banks and Wall Street could do. And they caused an artificial boom in what should have been a slowdown. And that got so big and so perverted that when the final demographic slowdown forced the market to contract and made things turn around, it not just slowed down, it devastated the economy. And we would have had a Great Depression if someone hadn't saved the banks. But now they need to stop saving the banks. They need to stop printing more money and they need to get the economy off of drugs. And that's not happening. So we have the luxury of doing a nice long show. We still, you know, got. I don't know, 30 uh, some odd minutes, 20 some odd minutes before the top of the hour. I want to play Harry Dent explaining basically his essential viewpoint of how he came to learn about demographics and um, how it became part of, of his forecasting method. And then I want to go into exactly how this has all evolved into the European debt. Because now if you understand the basis of how the planet went, you know, it used to work for Greeks to retire at 55. It used to work for Italians to have benefits. The whole world worked fine as long as it was feeding, because Europe had its own baby boom. As long as the world was feeding off the growth of that boom and thought it would never end, we could borrow all day. You, you know, you were in mortgages, Chuck. People could borrow all day against their home because, of course, next year it was going to be up another 20%. When that starts to change, all of that debt deleverages and it goes from the private sector to where governments now try to absorb you know some of that fallout and now the governments inherit the debt and the question is what happens when the governments get overburdened where are we going because that's where the buck stops so uh that if you understand these basics the euro debt starts to make sense it's not just a random thing that was out there that somehow somebody screwed up and 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 it just happened it was part of an organic demographic phase that that people didn't understand and maybe could have planned a little bit better for if they knew it was going to be there. And, Bruce, the beauty of a podcast, it doesn't matter if the top of the hour is coming. I know. As long as matter. we can keep people interested in what we're talking about. So we better shut up and play some Harry <laughs> Dent. Let's hear a clip. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about what is different about what you're doing that other economists, what you're looking at and where you're starting from that is different than where other economists start from. And how did you arrive at this epiphany of demographics? Well, I first of all, I arrived at it. I was consulting to Fortune 100 companies, the Bain & Company, early in my career. 
And then I started consulting to new ventures that were appealing in the early to mid 80s to the new baby boom generation, young back then, all the new technologies they were innovating, all the new products and services, because young people do start innovation. Mm -hmm. And so I was forced to study baby boomers, which means demographics. I was forced to study technologies in their life cycles. So I learned a lot of new things doing that. And I actually, by forecasting in different industries, came up with my own economic theory. My theory has nothing to do with traditional economics. But even just this thing of, of looking at demographics as a starting point, which I think is so unique about what you do. I mean, I went into a, a, a financial summit by one of our local DJs here, and everybody's arguing about what the government's doing no, no, no. And, and all these things. And this I said, policy, that policy, if I they said, tweak interest rates this much. So I go in and I say, look, if I walked into this conference and I could prove to you that a third of our population was in their late 20s and they're all getting out of college and they're all getting into their jobs and guess what? They all want to buy homes. They're moving out. Then they're going to have babies. So they're going to be buying crap and they're going to yeah. and, and we're and I'm going to go invest in this thing and I'm going to lend them money. Would you guys all be worried about the economy today? And they looked at like, oh, wow, where did you think of that? So explain the basic relationship between birth rate and economies. Yeah, birth rates and immigration. And consumption. Yeah, and consumption. People enter the workforce on average, age 20, 20 and a half, mm -hmm. halfway between 18, high school graduation and college graduation. Up until that point, they're all expense. They're all a liability in economic terms. They're in a learning phase. Once they Teenagers enter the workforce- are a liability? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, young people cost everything, produce nothing. That's my, that's my one sentence way of, of explaining inflation. Gotta love them. In human terms. Yeah, it's true. Now, it's true. normally it wouldn't be that big a deal, but the baby boom was so large that into the 60s and 70s, they caused inflation rates to go higher than any time in modern history. As soon as those same people entered the workforce in their early 20s, mm -hmm. started getting married, having kids, earning money, buying houses and doing all the things people do, the economy booms. And not only does it boom, inflation comes down because that's when people are the most productive. Mm -hmm. Young families, learning more, becoming productive. That's what caused a boom with falling inflation. So we're sitting there in the early 90s saying, how did we guess that the US was gonna balance its budget and have a surplus, 98 to 2000, actually the only three years in four decades. Wow. Because we knew the economy was going to be so strong, good for government revenues, inflation was going to fall so low, reducing mm -hmm. their financing expenses. It wasn't a political matter. Yeah. It wasn't a politics. Yeah, that's Or Bill Clinton's going to do, make some major changes, which he didn't. It was just demographics. So demographics drives. Don't tell Bill Clinton this. No, I know. I know. Well, hey, I'm not saying he's a bad president. He's kind <laughs> no. of a bad boy, but not. No, it's just the politicians. He was a good president. And, and he's still popular, but that's right. He didn't cause that boom. Right. So that's one reason politicians don't listen to our theory. They want to think they cause all this stuff. 300 million people do predictable things as they age. So we can predict inflation looking at the number of young people entering the workforce, number of aging people exiting at retirement. Mm -hmm. That, I mean, our indicator is even better than I ever thought it would be. We can predict spending in the growth economy, 46 year lag on the birth index. Mm -hmm. Somebody's born at age zero, they will spend the most money today at age 46. We know this, we study cradle to grave demographics. They will plateau into age 50 where the baby booms right now, you know, they kind of hit that peak in 2007. Mm -hmm. They're kind of plateauing for a few years, 
once their kids get fully out of the nest, they will just stop spending and savings will go up. Okay, hey, listen, I want to let you know that there's a great at one hour. This whole interview is on our website at www.straighttalkwealth.com. There's a button, if you click on it, that says at the bottom, Economists on the Economy. It's a feature of our website. We feature Harry Dent. We feature Charles Netter. We're featuring John Talbot. We're going to be adding more folks to that. Uh, listen to more of this. But I wanted to play that, first of all, just to give you an idea that what we're seeing in Europe and the cause of the crisis begins with demographic trends and was predictable many years before that. But now I want to talk about where Europe is going. And I want to read you from uh, a great portion of Harry's uh, bulletin for December 2011. I realize it's a month or two ago, but uh, it was one of the best dissertations I've seen. It's called The Seeds of the Current Debacle Were Sown Decades Ago. And I'm paraphrasing, and I'm just kind of reading my highlights. But this really begins to help you understand how Europe got itself into a pickle. Now, let me back up one more one more minute from this, which is that I want to tell you that there's three things that have to change during this next decade before growth begins. The first is that we have to shake out this whole European debt crisis, and it is going to change the face of Europe uh, greatly. Uh, the, the euro just can't be standing as it is today. These countries that have overspent are just an, a bottomless pit that the wealthier countries can't fall down. And there's going to be some major, we're just on the cusp of really confronting that problem. That's got to shake out and uh, we'll see where Europe goes as an entity within the next decade. The second thing that's got to happen is there is a bubble in China. We'll do an extensive show on this. I'll give you all the evidence. But there are millions and millions of uninhabited apartments in China. What are you, what are you smiling about? Were you going to say that? I was just going to make a wise crack. That's all, Bruce. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll save it. I'll save yes, it we'll, we've got a lot more shows to go. Hang on to those wise cracks. But anyway, the point is that um, big bubble in China. Millions of apartments, uninhabited, way, way over-constructed. And now China is dealing with this kind of recession of, one, if the Western world goes down, their manufacturing is going to get hurt because they've been making all so much of their wealth off manufacturing for the West. And secondly, they're now, the government is stepping in and continuing to try to reinflate their real estate bubble. So the real, they've had to slow down construction, but all these unemployed construction workers are going to riot and lose their lifestyle. It's going to be incredible. So they're now building low-income housing to somehow offset the real... It's insane. And that bubble is going to burst, and it's going to be a factor that's going to affect the planet. So that's number two. Number three, and it's not necessarily in this order. They're all kind of hitting at once. The U.S. debt, the government debt of the U.S., and its dysfunctional government, which won't confront the hard decisions that have to be made, that's going to have to shake out. And the United States is the third area that's going to have to go through our austerity program. You know what austerity means? I was actually going to ask you, Bruce, should I consult Wikipedia? Um, Well, austere just means it's sort of like tightening your belt. But what it really means is the government needs a lot more money from us in the form of taxes in order to provide a lot fewer benefits. Because the government's got to pay its debts. So we're now in the stage where we don't get more comfort. 
we get a lot less comfort and we just have to pay the credit card on it. So until those three situations shake out, we will not see global growth. And that is why we're telling people. And at the end of this show, I'm going to go into what you should be doing about it as an investor and a saver and someone approaching retirement. But if you don't understand these three themes, you're probably sitting at home waiting for the 90s to come back in the stock market. And these three themes are the reason why that's not going to happen until the end of the decade. And Bruce, I think it's it's fascinating how simple these strategies can it be does get if, if people understand it. The strategy is to just, the basic strategy we're going to tell you about is to basically stop putting your entire financial future into, into things that you can neither predict or control. You've got to get prediction and control in what's going to be a chaotic decade. There used to be a time that you could predict, like the 90s, if I buy stocks, they'll just go up. That is out the window. So now you need to find something else that you can predict on. But let's go back to the European debt. So now here's the main thing to understand is that there are, when a country gets in trouble and a country overspends or it needs to compensate for an economic slowdown, typically it has several tools that it can use. But when they created a single European currency in Europe, what I'm going to read to you here is how they actually destroyed two of the three levers they could pull. So they only have one lever in Europe they can pull now for any country that's getting into trouble, and that is raise taxes and limit benefits. Austerity is the only lever they can pull. There were others. So let me read here. This is from Harry Dent's December 20th newsletter. The problem started not with the EU, which is the European Union, but with the creation of the European Monetary Union, the EMU, which is a subset of 17 of the 27 countries in the EU, which banded together to create the common currency, the euro. For all the benefits in the private sector, whether it's trade or payments or security issuances and purchases, that there, that there, you know, for all the benefits in the private sector, there were some difficult issues on the government side, particularly in the area of economic policy. When economies are in recession or suffering severe shocks, constituents tend to look to the halls of government for actions and policies that will bring about some kind of recovery. Now, to fight a slow or contracting economy, governments have three tools. One is fiscal policy or taxing and spending decisions. It's the fiscal house of the government. It's its budgetary uh, policy, fiscal policy, taxing and spending decisions. Two is monetary policy or the changing of interest rates or other direct moves that affect the supply of money and credit. That includes printing money, for example. So when the Fed does something, when Congress does something in this country, that's fiscal policy. When the Fed does something, that's monetary policy. It's the flu- it's changing and working interest rates to try to affect the supply of money and credit. And three is exchange rate adjustments, which can be an outcome of monetary policy, which is interest rates and all that. Now, for nations that joined the European Monetary Union or the EMU and took the euro, two of the three tools, monetary policy, which is changing around your interest rate and trying to, you know, affect credit and all that, and exchange rate adjustment amongst the member countries, those two tools were removed, two of the three tools. 
This left only taxing and spending decisions for each individual country to use as recovery tools. These countries go through different business cycles and require different actions. A country often chooses to devalue its currency by lowering interest rates and or printing more money. Different countries in the Eurozone are better served by different exchange rate adjustments. So you might say, let, let's say that you're a country that, you know, you're in some trouble, you have a recession going, so you decide, let's lower the value of our currency relative to other currencies. We're going to lower our exchange rate. Well, okay, we won't be able to buy as much from other countries, but they're going to ask us for more imports, imports so we can up manufacture. We can start making more stuff, sell it to other countries, get their dollars in here, and that's one route to recovery. But they can't screw with that formula because the euro is the euro is the euro. And even though each country has a different economy, they can't adjust their exchange rate because they're all on the euro. They knocked that tool out as an economic recovery tool. So Harry Dent goes, that was my insert, okay? Harry Dent goes on, to address the inherent problems of having a shared currency, member nations have to pledge to remain fiscally responsible. They have to make that pledge, okay, we'll be in this, but we, we promise not to overspend. Now, a number of the countries falsified or at least gave an appearance of their actual fiscal policy coming into the euro that wasn't what it wound up being. So there were some untruths just to begin with at the very formation of it. But he continues, however, when the situation actually occurred in the early 2000s, as both Germany and France busted through the 3% cap, which is they all promised a pledge to remain fiscally responsible. But in early 2000s, Germany and France busted through this 3% cap. The real answer came out. Absolutely nothing would be done if you violated it. Now, the great debt bubble. Um, Italy, Portugal, Spain, and Greece have aging populations. Now, this is where demographics plays in. They have aging populations and depressed economies, and they must make extensive government-funded social payments that they're obligated to make in stark contrast to the generally robust export-driven economy of Germany and the balanced economy of France. It was if as it was as if the quote risk involved in purchasing bonds was suddenly mitigated. Like if you got bonds and you're buying them from these countries that are going broke, those bond rates are going to go way up. Okay? Um, but when they formed the euro, it's like all that risk kind of went away. So when it came to countries such as Greece and Portugal, this w- Portugal, excuse me, this was certainly true. Their inclusion in the Eurozone, coupled with their ability to borrow at low interest rates, simply fed a consumption bubble and a real estate speculation bubble accompanied by growing debt. So here are the countries in greater debt. It should be slowing down the economy. But when they went into the Euro and they inherited the quality and the standard of the other countries, it just fed a bubble, a greater bubble. Now, again, I'm paraphrasing a lot. and I wish I could read the whole thing to you, but I got enough to read already. It is important to note here that the overall indebtedness of each of the club med countries is not too far off from the debt of the United States. And he goes into percentage of debt versus GDP. And for example, Portugal is 380% debt to gross domestic product. The U.S. is 350%. 
going to read on with my highlights here. So if it seems a little broken, it's just because I'm reading highlights and I'm probably leaving some stuff out in between. Where the Club Med countries differ from the U.S. is that they cannot supply, they cannot simply print more money to paper over their problems. That's what the Fed's trying to do. He's trying to paper over our problems in the U.S. And to some degree, it's effective because he has that choice. The difference between Club Med countries and Germany is their growth potential. These countries are facing long periods of economic decline based on their demographics, social payment systems, and individual composition, few exports, and yet they lack the ability to change monetary policy, interest rates, increase money supply, etc., in order to address their problems. This is the crux of the issue facing Club Med countries or the EMU, European Monetary Union. And it was always lurking in the background. The credit crisis just brought the issue to the surface. And as the credit crisis unfolded in 2008 and 2009, many private banks around the world went under. In the Eurozone, countries like Greece found themselves nationalizing private banks to try to protect the private bank's investors. Where did they get the money? By issuing, by issuing sovereign bonds. So the government's going to buy the private banks and issue bonds, and they hope that the bond market will buy those bonds so the government has money to even buy the banks with, which increased the indebtedness of the country. Greece was able to fund these takeovers by selling these bonds on the open market. With diminishing growth prospects and a severe re- recession, the credit markets began to question the ability of such countries such as Greece to pay back their debts, and boom, there goes the interest rates now that the countries have to face. So now they have climbing interest rates because the bond markets go, we don't think really you've got enough money to pay us back, so we want a high interest rate. And now the country has to pay that interest rate in a slowing economy. And where's it going to get the extra money to pay interest? Now, I'm going to end off there and and, uh, tell you that there's a whole lot more if you go to the website and you look at what we discussed with Harry Dent. But if this sounds scary, it only has yet to hit the United States. The reason it hasn't hit the United States is the United States can fool around with fiscal poli- with monetary policy and fool around with exchange rates. And we have yet to deal with the fiscal problem, which is what Washington won't budge off its ass to deal with, which is taxing and benefits. And, and if we could, and, and we're fortunate that if we worked all of those, we might actually have a way out of our depression. But if they wait too long to look at it, that's where we're headed. And that, my friend, is today's show. I want to play another quick clip from Harry where I asked him what happens if Greece goes down. Because, mind you, this was done in Laguna Beach back in October. And at that point, we were just talking about Europe. But it's a great insight. I want to get Harry's take on all of this. And then we're going to wrap up this uh, edition of Straight Talk Wealth. What happens if Greece and the euro fails? I mean, what happens if, I mean, they're talking about controlled, controlled default now in Greece. They're not talking about saving anymore. Where is that going and what happens if it just fails or will it fail? Well, I mean, it, it, the demographics, the same thing we said, the U.S. stimulus is going to fail. You're fighting 92 million baby boomers wanting to save, not spend and borrow. You can't get old people to spend money and the government's trying to get them to do it. So it's going to fail. It's the same in Greece. Greece is aging faster than us, and so is Italy and Spain and Portugal, these countries. So 
they keep saying, okay, well, cut some budgets and raise some taxes. Well, wait a minute, that makes the economy even weaker. Right. It's already weak. So their deficits keep going up. They're, they're in a, a catch-22 they can't win. So Where it is gonna go? fail. It is gonna fail. And at some point, Greece, I mean, I'm sorry, Germany, and France and Netherlands are gonna say, we can't bail these people out forever. Yep. And it backs up on them. So it is going to fail, and so is our stimulus. So again, we've said from the beginning, most economists say, well, if the government does this and that and that, we, no, we said, we're going to have a damn depression, whether you like it or not. Debt's going to deleverage. It could happen slowly or quickly. Demographics points down the next decade for all of Europe and the United States, no matter what. We're not going to get out of this mess with a magic wand here in the stimulus programs and the band-aids and the restructuring of debt. If you don't actually write down the debt, what Greece needs is to have their debt written down 50 to 60% minimum. That's the only way they can survive with their demographic mm -hmm. future. And even that's questionable. Until they actually say, we're gonna write down this debt and take the hit instead of, well, we're gonna band-aid it and extend it and double twist it and do this. Until they do What's that, the they're not solving the problem. But what will happen by taking that Well, hit? it reverberates to the banking system. You know, it hits French banks and German banks and, you know, and Swiss banks that lent to these countries. And then the government has to bail out these banks. Do we I mean, see this a whole collapse thing, of a banking system like we yes. almost had in 08? Yes. So, Bruce, what does this mean to the individual listener and what can they, what can they do about it, frankly? Well, Since you I, wanted to be frank. No, Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, this is the thing. And, and again, this goes back to, as you heard at the beginning of the show, what I learned about very wealthy people which is they do not, as, as much dough as they got to blow, they still don't like tying all of their future to events that they can't control or predict. And that's really what we're trying. The guy working the line at Boeing who's trying to build airplanes, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have time to be a, a Wall Street maven. Or the small business owner or somebody with their IRA or their 401k that's just trying to survive. And what they don't realize is that, you know, uh, there's so much of America thinks that I've got to be invested. In, in fact, the Fed has done a really good job of killing guaranteeing interest rates so low. His motivation for doing that is to force everyone back into risk. Get them into the markets. If we get the whole world into risk, then maybe that risk market will go up. And there's a great clip, and I'm going to play this on another show where Harry talks about all that's done is benefit the wealthy. Because the wealthy guys know how to play the market, get in and get out, and the average Joe gets clobbered. So we're talking to the average Joe. Just look at your 401k three years ago. Well, here's the bottom line. Get this concept. You need to understand the difference between saving and investing. When you invest, you're putting your money at risk. Now, you hope to make good gains. The more dramatic gains that you can make represent the greater risk you take. And there's always a reward for that if things work out. But the risk means risk, which means that the detriment could be as great as the reward. So you might lose 20, 30% of your money trying to make a 10% gain. You might, in some cases, you might make a 50% gain or lose all of it. I know because I've been there and I've had times I lost all of it. Okay. But it was only a portion of my overall wealth. I'm actually very, very conservative personally. So the point is that's what investing is. Savings, on the other hand, 
Is the money you are living on or need to know will be there for you to live on? It is your lifestyle money. And if anything were to get lost or vaporized on that, you would literally have to change the way you're living. That's what savings is. Now, the crime in America is that America has been marketed by Wall Street and forced by the Fed because people have the mistaken idea. People have the mistaken idea, I'll tell you right now, at the bottom of this, that they can't make any money on savings, that the savings rate is so poor in terms of returns that there's no use. You have to be in investing. And most of America has been suckered into putting all of their savings into investments. And one day when the investments markets fall again, which they will again once or twice this decade, and the people that were put all of their savings into investments are going to get deeply hurt. Now, what should you do about it? The first thing I'll tell you right away is go to our website and go to two important pages. Go to the solutions page at www.straighttalkwealth.com. Go to the solutions page. Watch the videos that we have up there. There's a great one at the bottom on Fox News about a couple that they covered around 2008. It's called uh, Bear Market Retirement. Um, Watch my slideshow, uh, which I hope is fixed, Slide Rocket. I'd like to say some good things about you, Slide Rocket, but give me a nice slideshow that works dependably, okay? But And let me know, folks, if it doesn't, and I'll send you a video of that of that uh, uh, slideshow if it's not working, if it's not timing out right. But that's called Historic Rates of Return, Wall Street's Dirty Little Lie. So that's going to open your eyes in terms of how to change your thinking about risk and savings versus investing. But what we're going to do is I'm going to give you a phone number, two ways to actually access a $1,500 financial planning service to see the way Straight Talk Wealth does it. We work with savings. We don't work with investments. We don't want to be your investment counselor necessarily, although we have advisors all over the country in our Straight Talk Wealth Network because our AM show is heard all over the country. So wherever you are, there will be a local advisor that can work with you, and um, they might do investments. But the focus of the show is your savings. And what if your savings could outperform your investments in the next decade? That could be possible because we're dealing with savings rate and this pension concept, savings rates, interest rates that are between, and I'm talking about the income production of that money. In other words, what those assets are going to deliver in terms of income. We have guarantees that are between 6 and 8% growth per year on the income value of those funds. And there's two key guarantees that all of our plans include, which are, hey, they happen to be kind of pension-like because that's where I came from. And that is the missing piece of most Americans' portfolio is a guaranteed income stream. Two important guarantees. One is you're going to make 6 to 8% growth on that year after year until the day that you pull the lever and you say, I now want to pay out that pension. When the pension pays out, a second guarantee falls into place, which is if you live a long life, And that pension has now paid out every dime that you put into it, plus all the interest that it's earned, and the account goes to zero. Meaning if you live that five years instead of three, right? Yeah, whatever it is. You're paid. I mean, we're going to tell you what the ratio is. You'll know ahead of time. Our advisors can tell you what your check is going to look like guaranteed at 65, at 70, 75. But what's amazing is they're going to tell you what your check's going to look like if you live to 90-something, and there ain't no money left in the account. 
Meaning you're still going to get a check. You're still going to get a check, even if your account value has gone down to zero. That is the second guarantee that's included in all of our retirement roadmap planning. So you want a free retirement roadmap, go to our website, watch the, go to the retirement roadmap tab. And first of all, watch the video, a five minute video on the retirement roadmap and use the form at the bottom to sign up. And we will get you connected. Now, we're going to ask you for your contact information and two times for one of our Straight Talk Wealth Advisors to call you back. They will call you back. They're going to ask you six basic questions just to get a snapshot of what your financial situation is. And they're going to produce the Retirement Roadmap for No Charge, No Obligation, which is basically a personalized blueprint of how you are going to live in retirement and through retirement. It is a result-oriented proposal. It's not, well, you know, this is our idea, and hypothetically, historically, it's, it's going to be a guaranteed result-oriented proposal that's going to tell you exactly what you're going to check, your check is going to look like each year. It also includes our ability to stress test any portfolio against market losses or inflation, because those are the two things that could kill you. So we're going to take your current portfolio, and we're going to say, what if, what if inflation goes to 4%, 5%, 6%? Where will this burst? What if your portfolio makes better than you expected? What can you persevere if that happens? What if it makes worse than expected? We call that stress testing. That's included in a retirement roadmap. And we give you a personalized set of recommendations on exactly what our Straight Talk Wealth Advisors can guarantee in your retirement with rates of 6 to 8% guarantee. Now, there are certain terms that you must know about that, on, on how those rates play out, but they'll go over that with you. It is not a static pile of papers and graphs um, that sit in your in-basket. It's not some printed little thing that's interesting. It is a fluid conversation with your local advisor and a puzzle that you actually solve with a live expert on guaranteed methods of retirement planning. You can also call the main phone number. That's 888. You you invented this number. I know, a long time ago. It's 888-882-5578. Never forgot it. 888 882-5578. 882-5578. Was there an acronym behind that? There was. It was It was 8-TALK-STRAIGHT. Oh, so you call 888-TALK-STRAIGHT? Tri- no, it was, it was call 8-TALK-STRAIGHT. Eight eight talk talk straight. Straight. I can't wait. 888-BUT that can't work because it's, it's, it's T-A. Talk, A is not a it's, number it's, 8. It's TALK-ST or something. 888-TALK-STRAIGHT. Oh, straight. straight. Yeah, that's right. Talk eight straight. Talk straight. I don't remember. But it's 888. <laughs> Go with that one. 888 Don't mind the acronym. If you call that number, you'll get an operator that will take down yeah, the same information. 24-7. So if you're listening to this at 3 a.m. on your couch drinking a beer. Call the operator. Call She's it. lonely. You know, if you, if, you, if you had to turn off the infomercials to listen to Bruce, good. At least, you know, you got some good knowledge. Yeah. And so, you probably saved 20 bucks from buying that knife set. So The operator's cute, too, from what I hear. Yeah. Anyway, listen. Not uh, that kind of operator, though, Bruce. It depends on Q. Okay. But that's, anyway, that's the, that's the 800 talk straight number. Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. Yeah, don't call 999. Okay, no. So the bottom line is call 888-882-5578 or go to straighttalkwealth.com to the retirement roadmap page. Now, when you talk to your local Straight Talk Wealth advisor and you actually give them that information so they can put the study together and You've set up a time to then review that. Some of them can actually review it over GoToMeeting. If you're local to them, a lot of them will say, come into the office and let's just go over it one-on-one. We're going to send you some other goodies once you've completed that phone call with the local advisor. Not the first call, but the follow-up call. Once you've completed that, we're going to send you a copy of my report, highly illustrated. I do this so a high school sophomore can understand the data. 
It's called inflation or deflation. America's monetary system in crisis and how to plan for it. We're going to send you another report I wrote called How to Make Your Money Last a Lifetime Guaranteed. Repeat that title, Bruce. That's just I How mean, to it, Make it, Your it, Money Last a Lifetime Guaranteed. It's, it's as simple as that. Can I be any more emphatic? <laughs> okay. Um, we're also going to have... Um, the, the, videos, video, right? yeah, the, the, the DVD video. we're going to send you on historic rates of return, Wall Street's Dirty Little Lie, and the Retirement Roadmap video. So you're going to get all of those uh, tangible items when you call after you've spoken to the local Straight Talk Wealth Advisor. That's about a $50 value for the goods. But the service that they're going to provide in doing the study of the Retirement Roadmap is typically a $1,500 financial service for no charge, no obligation. Right, now, Bruce, this really isn't for everybody. I mean, there's some people you just can't. Well, look, the bottom line is if you've not built substantial, if you haven't understood this by now, the story of the coming decade is one of loss of what you've got. The people that are the greatest, the greatest threat by what's coming in the next decade are those that have built substantial assets because we're going to have a deflationary period and they're going to lose value of those assets. Okay. So if you have nothing, the good news is, all you got to do in the next decade is keep your job and diversify, become an entrepreneur, get some other lines of income to yourself, and, and that's going to help you through the next decade. But if you've built substantial retirement savings, you're a typical baby boomer, and maybe you've got $100,000, maybe you've got a couple million dollars, and now that's your egg that you're planning to get to the promised land on. The question is, how do you hold that intact, preserve it, and make it last? Those are the guys that desperately need to sit down and do a retirement roadmap, and they need to get going on really preparing where they're going to be over that period. So, so again, two, two ways to get your hands on this. You can call 888-882-5578. That's 888-882-5578. There's operators 24-7, and again, there's local Straight Talk Wealth Advisors around the country. Um, and don't forget, you can hear the show around the country on AM radio as well, the uh, the live radio show, which Bruce has too much. Yeah, hey, there. this this is so much more uh, info. This was very Just relaxed. subscribe to us. Yeah, this is we can put so much more info out this way. It's yeah, great. It was nice to sit here and drink a couple beers while we did the show. Uh, and, and, and uh, no. Those are coming after, okay? <laughs> coming. Hey, look. Uh, or, or the straighttalkwealth.com on the web. Don't forget that, straighttalkwealth.com. Yeah, I just want to reiterate. This is a result-based portfolio planning, and it should begin... 10 to 15 years before you retire. But if you're already retired, you darn well should have gotten this kind of report a long time ago. If you're 10 from 10... Uh, real 10, quick, Bruce. Uh, yeah. So somebody already retired, if they have yeah, to they say, still, I mean, they, they, this is pertinent to them. Because it'll it's going to get a focus on exactly what they should be doing from here on out. So if you're 10 to 15 years from retirement or you're already retired, call 888-882-5578 or go to the website. If you believe that you've made some good gains over some of the better years in the market, but you need to know how to preserve those gains, call 888-882-5578 or go to the website. If you want to know what it means to be guaranteed to double the income value of your assets every 10 years at 6 to 8% compounding rates, guaranteed, call 888-882-5578 or what else? Uh, Straight Talk Wealth. Com. And lastly, if you want to know how to protect your portfolio in a down market, but actually still benefit if the market turns around from a bull, mar- from a bull market or what's called a bear market rally, call 888-882-5578. Hey, or, or straighttalkwealth.com. Yeah. And, and by the way, it was 888 888- 
Eight talk straight. That's what the acronym was. It was triple eight. That's eight, what I thought. Talk straight. Triple eight eight talk straight. God, I That's wonder if somebody else is going to get some weird calls now. <laughs> Where's my portfolio? Okay, well, there's Mr. Music telling us it's time for us to go, um, guys. It's been a blast. We, we're going to we love doing the webcast, uh, the podcast. Subscribe to iTunes. Share us on Facebook and Twitter. Get the word out. I hope you find this valuable. There's so much more we can go over. We'll see you guys again real soon. Lots of new topics. It was fun, Bruce. We'll do it again. All right. Take care, podcast world. Content of Straight Talk Wealth Radio is for educational purposes only. Any discussion of financial products and their features is subject to change without notice. Consult your own tax, legal, or financial advisor as to your specific situation. Tax-free benefit specialist and insurance services. California license 0E48147.